Welcome to Crump Insights, exploring timely life insurance and retirement planning topics for today's forward-thinking financial professionals. In this episode, our focus is on executive benefits. I'm Brian Bushlack, your host for this series and an active life insurance producer. Joining us, Steve Kroger and Howard Jonas, both senior directors in advanced sales at Crump Life Insurance Services. And gentlemen, thanks for joining us. First, Howard, let's start with you. What exactly are Section 162 bonus programs and how do they work? Great question, Brian. 162 bonus plans come from the Internal Revenue Code 162 that deals with compensation. And 162 bonus plans are very, very easy plans to administer. They provide additional compensation for usually highly compensated employees, but the employee doesn't necessarily have to be highly compensated. And the plan is just simply additional money paid from the business to the employee. The great thing about the plans are the company receives an immediate tax deduction. And then there's even this special kind of 162 bonus plan called a double bonus plan, where when the company pays money out, they actually pay out enough money so it's a tax-neutral plan for the employee, which in English means the employee doesn't have to come out of pocket any money, especially if we're talking about putting the money into a life insurance policy. Now, we had one of these in play last year, and it's still out there. We may place this case, but I want to kind of walk through the nuances of this. Talk about REBA plans, because there's a lot of flexibility in that type of plan, right? Absolutely. So REBA plans, I like to call the golden lasso plan compared to the golden handcuff plan of some other plans out there. And the REBA plan similar to the 162 bonus plan, allows the company to take an immediate tax deduction. But we always talk about retain and recruit within the compensation world of business planning. The 162 bonus plan on its own really doesn't tie or retain any employee to the business. However, with the REBA plan, what you're able to do is really incentivize the employee to stick around. You're telling them, you need to stay here for X amount of years, it's going to be beneficial for you, and if you don't, you could face some penalties. And typically with the REBA plan, we're going to put a restriction on the cash value of the policy. So you have a company, I work for you, you pay money to me through a double bonus plan, you then make these premium payments either to me or directly to the carrier, then the policy that I own myself would actually have a restriction on the cash value, which means during that time, I cannot touch the actual cash value in the policy, even though I own the policy. I have to wait to some point in the future to access that cash, which is the reason we're setting this up so I can actually stick around at your company. And I want you to refresh my memory on this too a little bit. This is a much more flexible, less paperwork for you know the owner, the business versus other options, right? Absolutely. So from a flexibility standpoint, you as the employer can pick and choose whom you want to do this for. Total discriminatory plan. What you might be thinking about is something called Internal Revenue Code 409A, which deals with very complicated compensation plans, such as non-qualified deferred comp or salary continuation plans. For the most part, REBA plans avoid Section 409A. There's also a code out there called 101J, which deals with company-owned policies. However, because the REBA plan, as the employee, 
of the policy being the owner, you can avoid Section 101J on that. And with the REBA plan as well, there's no liability on the corporation's balance sheet, so we don't have to worry about a lot of administration on the employer end. Yeah, and also, uh, you can avoid a third-party administrator, right? I mean, it's a lot cleaner transaction, right? For the most part, most of the paperwork is really done at the carrier level. Most carriers today have actually their own restricted policy form. And for the few carriers that don't have that form, they will accept other carriers' forms or they will accept a generic form. Okay, and I don't want to be necessarily steering people toward a REBA plan because this all starts with a conversation. So for our life insurance producers, financial advisors out there listening to this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Howard. This starts with that conversation with that business owner, and you're asking them, what are you trying to achieve here, right? Correct. So I'll give out one of my favorite questions that I ask business owners and a lot of financial planners that I work with. What's more important to you, a current tax deduction or control? When I hear the answer both, I'm very excited because then I'm thinking the REBA plan, because typically that's the only plan that offers a company a current tax deduction and control at the same time. Another thing to keep in mind is anytime I'm dealing with a company, I'm always trying to find out how that company is taxed, pass-through or C-corp. Typically, pass-through owners gravitate towards REBA plans because it offers them a current tax deduction up front. If you have an S-Corp, which is a pass-through, and the owner's considering plans other than a REBA plan or a bonus plan, even though they're making contributions to that plan, they don't receive an upfront tax deduction, and they could still have to deal with the pass-through tax liability on their K-1 ultimately, where the REBA plan, you have some control, and you do get that upfront tax deduction, so they're going to see less on their K-1 at the end of the year. One last question to share with our audience here, Howard. Uh, flexibility, too. You touched on this, I think, but uh, you have the ability to sort of dial up or dial down the compensation depending on uh, the employee and their role, right? So if you've got C-suite executives, you could you know target them with X amount of dollars. But if you had maybe mid-level managers, same thing for them. You could dial it down a little bit. That is that correct? Absolutely. One of the great things about the REBA plan is you can discriminate between employees. You can pick and choose. You can decide this employee is going to get a bonus of 18000 This employee is going to get a bonus of 41000 However, always tell people, make sure you keep within the reasonable compensation test. What does that mean in English? That means if you have an employee making $68,000 a year and you want to provide a bonus of $113,000 a year, uh, that could raise some flags. And also keep in mind, if we're utilizing a life insurance policy, we need to be mindful of how much death benefit we're putting on that employee. If the employee makes $103,000 a year and we're looking for a $20 million policy, it's possible a carrier might say, where are you coming up with this number? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, Steve, I want to bring you in and talk about uh, any special circumstances where these plans are particularly effective. Thanks, Brian, and thanks for having me. We do a lot of bonus plans in the context of life insurance policies that have special riders, which include the hybrid policies that have long-term care riders. Why do these look particularly exciting? Because in certain situations, the long-term care rider is separately priced. Even though it's sold as a package, Brian, the rider itself is priced separately and filed as a separate standalone LTC product with the state. 
Again, like I say, it's sold in conjunction with the contract and you wouldn't buy it without it. But when it's filed with the state, it's filed as a standalone LTC contract. So why is that attractive in the executive bonus arena? Well, because the corporation can take a full tax deduction for the entire premium, both the base life insurance policy premium, as well as the long-term care premium. But the long-term care premium portion doesn't need to be recognized as income. So we've kind of supercharged that bonus arrangement. In other words, what we're doing is we're allowing the corporation a much larger deduction with some income tax leverage on the recognition side. Further, as to Howard's point, we can do a double bonus on that arrangement, meaning that we'll bonus him not just the uh, premium portion for the policy itself and, and, of course, the LTC portion, but the tax on the, the underlying life insurance contract, all of which is fully deductible to the corporation. And like I say, income tax neutral uh, to the recipient with a non-recognition on the LTC part. And we have about four carriers now growing, I think maybe five, that allow that uh, opportunity. So it becomes a really good conversation to have with the business owner because, you know, we always try to remind these business owners a tax deduction is equivalent to a tax savings times your corporate tax bracket, whatever that is, whether you're passed to or C-Corp. And then we've got income tax leverage on the back end through the non-recognition of the long-term care rider. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Bottom line is this is a very attractive option for business owners in spite of COVID. And a couple things I want to follow up with you is, you know, a lot of businesses last year had record years, real estate, uh, particularly residential real estate, uh, manufacturers. Now, obviously, the restaurants, hospitality did not. But now is a great time to have this conversation because there's a lot of companies out there, a lot of business owners, big and small, that, that have a lot of cash. There's a lot of capital out there right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, something I always try to point out to people is, although, yeah, we've had the, the COVID crisis and stuff, and as you correctly point out, some businesses are doing real well, but all businesses got a huge tax break via the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. And when I say big, for C corporations, the max tax bracket went from 35% to 21%. But what people got to remember is that's a, while that's a 14-point reduction in your taxes, that translates into a 40% pay raise. What am I talking about? In other words, if you divide 14 by 35, you will get 40%. So in other words, if you had a million dollar profit in the C-Corp, okay, and that C-Corporation was paying $350,000 of tax previously on that million dollar profit, they're now only paying $210,000 on that. That's $140 extra, right? $140,000 extra. That's a 40% pay raise. And it's not just stopping with C-Corps. The past entities potentially qualified, depending upon their income levels and so forth, an additional 20% deduction. Ultimately, Brian, what we're saying is businesses have more money and this opportunity to take that additional money and tie your executives, your top people to the business could never be better. Yeah, I and that's critical because there there's always talent poaching going on out there, right? I mean, there's always that that migration of talent and and it's such a, a great way to lock up your key people. And, I, you know, as I mentioned to Howard, even, you know, key mid-level managers, key people that are coming up in your organization. Um, these plans are great. The other thing I like is the long-term care. And you uh, 
covered this very well, but I want to circle back to that before we move on because long-term care insurance is so difficult to get for individuals. And I think this is a, a, a real, for lack of a better word, a real sweet option um, when you're doing these executive bonus plans to be able to layer that on and and give a key individual or executive uh, long-term care insurance as a, as a part of this package. Yeah, for sure. Because suddenly it's not all about what am I doing for my heirs, you know, protecting a promise that I've made to my family if I'm not here for any reason into what's in it for me. And I hate to sound that superficial, but, you know, that's part of the reality of any sale. Now it's a living benefit for me. And that living benefit has just been doubled, not from the only the cash accumulation in the contract that can be a nice retirement supplement, but as you just indicated, uh, acceleration of the death benefit tax free, I might add for long-term care expenses. Yeah. No, it's uh these plans are are great plans and it's a real opportune time to be talking to business owners, uh, to be prospecting for business owners out there uh, because we've come through or we are coming out of this COVID-induced shutdown for many people across the country and as things continue to open back up and I know a lot of uh, you know, producers and advisors out there like to get out and meet and greet and face to face because that's a lot of what our business has been. Uh, it's a great time to get out there and talk to people, isn't it? And we've seen probably the biggest tick up in our business policies and business sales that we had in years. While the estate planning market may have uh, cooled some up because of the higher exemption levels, uh, both Howard and I can tell you we are experiencing more uh, business sales than ever. And that part of it is due to the, the uh, increased availability of cash to these businesses. Let's pivot that cash into something beneficial for the employees and the owners. Yeah. Now, let's talk about key person as a deferred comp alternative. I would love it if you would explain what key person coverage is specifically for many of the financial advisors who may not spend most of their time with life insurance and how you position this as an executive reward. Sure. And in fact, that's one of the areas, and I know Howard and I can tell you, that's one of the areas we're talking about almost daily. And we like to jokingly call key person on steroids, because again, going back to the idea that businesses have more money, how can we deploy that to garner employee loyalty, to get back to those recruit and retain issues that Howard mentioned earlier? Well, what is key person coverage at its heart? It's simply a very important component for a business in successful succession planning. In other words, there are certain critical people, you know, the guy who brings in all the sales, the woman who's driving the biggest real estate purchases, the individual who's the intellectual property employee, develops the software that keeps the business so profitable. And that really has taken off in this year. Or, you know, on the nonprofit front, what about the uh, the, the rainmaker, the guy bringing in all the donations, the, the woman out there beating the bushes to get more people involved and so forth. These type of people that bring in uh, the type of money that nonprofits would be uh, devastated to lose. It's important to ensure that. And then, of course, we do a lot of key person coverage on the owners of the business. But the question, Brian, then becomes, what drives the key person sale? And what usually drives it is the business is looking to expand or to acquire something, to do something where they need to go to the bank for a loan. This drives 90% of all key person coverage. The bank says, we'll give you the loan, but we want to make sure you have a key person policy. And the key person policy is 
uh, owned by the business with the business's beneficiary so that the loan is indemnified. That's the idea. And by the way, it's beyond the scope of the discussion here, but uh, remember to make sure you do your notice and consent requirements whenever you have business-owned life insurance so that the benefit stays tax-free under 101J. But that's that's something we can help you on the technical side with Crump Advance Sales. So assuming you take care of that, you, the business says, I want to buy this, I want this loan from the bank. Bank says, okay, well, we need a million-dollar policy on your Rainmaker, your critical employee, the person uh, running the show, the manager, whatever. We're going to buy that policy. But then we like to point out to people that if it's that important to the bank, shouldn't it be that important to you, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, if it's that important to the bank. And then what we do is we we upsell. So we, we, we've upsailed the concept, not just from a typical term sale, but into now we'll say, let's use a permanent policy. And we go back to the old split dollar rules. What's old is new again. And what we'll do is we'll endorse over a portion of the death benefit during their working years for them to have a tax-free death benefit for their named beneficiary. Now, there is some income recognition on that. We like to call it the rent on the death benefit. Technically, on the IRC code, it's uh, the reportable economic benefit. But that's just based on an annual term rate published by the government or sometimes carriers have their alternative rates. It's a dirt cheap rate, Brad. You multiply that by the amount of death benefit being endorsed over, and you add that to their income, typically 12B on their uh, W-2, or it could be 1099 to them. Like I try to point out to people, that this you're not even getting the cheapest term rate for your insurance in the, that you can get anywhere. You're not even paying that rate. You're only paying the tax on that rate. So it becomes a real salient current benefit while you're working at the company. And then to bring it home, Brian, what we do is we say, if you stay with us 15 years, 20 years, age 65, age 62, whatever the predetermined service requirement is, we'll give you this policy. And that means you can then exchange it for a long-term care contract. You can put it into your trust for estate planning. You can take a withdrawal from the policy for retirement supplement. And the beauty of this then is we've got now a subliminal golden handcuff. You've got to stay with us that long, whatever that predetermined service requirements. If you don't, you get nothing. But if you do, you get this nice big old life insurance policy. And it really works on what we like to always talk about, the fundamental golden rule of business accounting. And that is, if you can't get tax deduction, make sure you get cost recovery. Well, this provides cost recovery via the policy being owned by the business and the cash value being owned by the business, right up to the point you get a tax deduction for distributing it, and then the executive can take a withdrawal from the policy to pay the tax. That's kind of a nice net present value calculation, Brian, in that we're going to take a withdrawal from tax-free growth to pay taxes somewhere down the road. And the idea in this is we're going to make sure that we distribute it in compliance with Reg 409A-1B4. It's called the short-term deferral exception, which actually moves you outside of the deferred comp rules under 409A. And that makes it very available to nonprofits, small businesses, growing business. You don't have to have a big corporation with a non-qualified executive benefit budget. We can now do this for mom and pop shops. We can now do this for, for nonprofits. We can now do this for, you know, nonprofits don't have any extra money. They barely can fund the promise. So we've identified the risk. And then we supercharge it, like I say, conceptually going to a permanent policy. And sometimes what we'll do with that permanent policy, Brian, is we'll use an enhanced cash value rider or a corporate-owned life insurance contract to get you almost 100% of cash value to premium paid year one. So instead of just having expense, like a term policy, 
you now have a corporate asset. And unlike a term policy, which only provides cost recovery, and I'm putting this in quotation air quotes, if you're lucky enough to die, you now have building cost recovery, a nice corporate asset, and a subliminal yet fairly stiff golden handcuff. Yeah, and I know we've all gotten the question, what's this going to cost me? And you know, I always tell a business owner, this is an investment, right? This is an investment in your business. This is not a cost. So let's uh, frame that the right way. And Howard, I want to bring you back to talk more about, uh, you know, split dollar. And as Steve said, you know, what's old is new again, but um, there are some, you know, new wrinkles. These are, dare I say, easier to place than they were maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Great question. Uh, so to all the listeners, Split Dollar is alive and well. I know I talk about it frequently. I'm sure Steve is completely inundated with Split Dollar inquiries these days. I would say Steve hit the nail on the head when he talked about a C-Corp owner's tax rate went down 40% from 35 to 21. This means at the end of the day, we're going to assume most C-Corps have more money sitting in the corporation. And typically, a C-Corp owner can take money out through a dividend, no deduction for the company, he has to pay capital gains. Or the C-Corp pays out compensation. He or she has to pay ordinary income rates. The company gets a deduction. But think about the company at a 21% tax bracket, and a successful C-Corp owner is sitting at 25 30 even 40% tax rate. So you might have some negative tax arbitrage. But what we're talking about doing is utilizing something known as loan regime split dollar. This is where the corporation makes a loan each year or a lump sum loan to the owner. And this could be done for a highly compensated employee as well. And the owner is going to put that money into a life insurance policy that he or she owns. As Steve pointed out, that policy can have a long-term care rider. Each year, the company could say to the owner, pay the loan interest or we're going to forgive the loan interest. If the loan interest is forgiven, they don't even have to pay tax on it. And right now, they have the ability to use these really low rates called applicable federal rates, AFR rates. First year, if the loan is nine years or less, the current midterm AFR rate is 0.62. So 62 basis points. Imagine that on a $100,000 loan, that's $620. They don't even pay the 620. They only pay tax on it. So to say to a C-Corp owner, I can show you a way to move $100,000 out of your corporation into a policy that you own, and your first year out of pocket, assuming you're in a 40% tax bracket, is about $270, $280. I can't imagine any C-Corp owner would say, no, I'm not interested. (laughs) (laughs) What we do at some point down the road is the corporation can forgive the total debt. Technically speaking, in the business world, forgiveness of debt is considered income. However, if it's a C-Corp owner, it's possible, with the blessing of their CPA, we can deem this transaction as a dividend distribution, which means it receives capital gains treatment. So imagine you're at 20%, 3.8 Medicare surtax. Okay, you owe the government $300,000, but you've been putting 100000 away into a policy for 10 years. You conceivably can pull 300000 out of your policy tax-free because you own it. You've paid the tax associated with the debt forgiveness. Your policy is paid up. If you're young enough, your policy will sit and accrue for X amount of more years. Now you have a tax-free pool of money to utilize when you're older, no RMDs, no matter what happens to the tax rate, it comes out tax-free, and again, you have that LTC rider. If you have an employee that you want to literally link in or hook to the company, this can be a great golden handcuff. 
if you're a college football fan, this is the plan that Michigan has with Jim Harbaugh. This is the plan that Clemson has with Dabo Sweeney. And you could say to your employee, stay here 10 years. We're going to loan you X amount of dollars a year. If you're still here at the end of the 10th year, we're going to forgive the debt. However, if you leave, you have to pay everything back. So if you think about it from a reality standpoint, if an employee is going to take another job somewhere, that has to be one heck of a sign-on bonus to pay all that loan back. And if they think about cashing out the policy early on, well, there's a, probably a pretty good chance that that policy might not exist in the future if you pull money out in the third, fourth, or the fifth year. I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking about all the opportunities here, and we've covered a lot of ground, a lot of acronyms, a lot of tax code, a, a lot of numbers here, so uh, certainly reach out to Howard or Steve to follow up. Advanced Sales can help you out if you've got a scenario. Don't expect everybody to uh, be able to download this in you know 20 or 30 minutes, but I want to close with you, Howard, and uh, wrap this up with the simple statement that we know the only thing constant not only in this business, but in the world, is change. And we anticipate, you know, there will be tax changes coming, right? And we don't know to what extent or when, but that also is a good um, motivator right now for business owners, executives out there, people considering this, that, you know what, uh, you just <laughs> you just threw out some very low, record low interest rates. I mean, AFR, un- unbelievable, uh, you know, under one. Now is a time. Now is a maybe the best time ever to do this? I would say this. Give yourself options. I know you know people complain about taxes. I'm included in that people comment. But historically speaking, we're still at pretty low rates. And if you look at what's going on in the country and in the government, we're spending a great deal of money. One can only assume at some point we're going to have to pay the bill. Provide options. What does that mean? We know most highly compensated people the bulk of their savings are in qualified assets. There's no escaping paying tax on that in the future. Provide yourself some options, tax-free income. Roth is great, but most people that we deal with on a daily basis make too much. And for business owners, I'm sure everyone has heard the term, try to monetize your business. What does that mean? That means that don't necessarily bank that your company is going to be sold for $8 million when you're 66 years old and ready to retire. It's possible a conglomerate can move in next week and the value of your business drops by two thirds. So this is a corny expression, but I'll say it because it still rings true. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. If you're a business owner, monetize your business, create and develop a plan that's going to provide you with an additional source of income that's not generally tied the ups and downs of your business going forward. Great conversation, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Brian, yeah, great. Crump Life Insurance Services, a leading third-party distributor and service provider of insurance and retirement products, is part of Truist Insurance Holdings Incorporated, the seventh largest insurance broker in the world. Crump supports the distribution of life insurance, annuities, long-term care, linked benefits, disability, and health products with the industry's premier sales and back office support and technology services. Marketing under the following brands, Crump, Truist Life Insurance Services, Risk Rider, TELUS, and Time. Source, Business Insurance Magazine using 2019 brokerage revenue generated, 2020 issued. For financial professional use only, not intended for use in solicitation of sales to the public. 
not intended to recommend the use of any product or strategy for any particular client or class of clients. For use with non-registered products only, Crump operates under the license of Crump Life Insurance Services Incorporated. Arkansas license number 100103477. Products and programs offered through Crump are not approved for use in all states. Copyright 2021, Crump Life Insurance Services, Incorporated.